0: Hello, welcome back to my podcast, The Art and Science of Transformation. This is Stephen Keeler uh, at www.stephenkeeler.com. If you uh, want to keep up to date with me, send me your email address. And if you go to my website, which I just mentioned, you can uh, fill out a form there. And uh, then it'll get put into my group where I can uh, keep you up to date of what I'm doing, what kind of classes I'm offering, what kind of free things I have going on etc. So um, we're going to continue on with uh, my own uh, audio version of, um, I'm going to be reading my book to you, my best-selling book, which is entitled Leap, But How Will I Live, Eat, or Pay for Gas? A Journey from Fear to Freedom. It was the number one bestseller on Amazon Uh Many of my clients and coach coaches that I uh, uh, coach and uh, corporations, people, uh, consultants all over the world have told me that, um, that my book inspired them to uh, change and that was my goal uh, and um, I'd like to help you, especially in this time of the COVID-19 and um, I think this is a grand opportunity for our uh, our personal worlds, and therefore our whole world to change and grow and uh, feel more fulfilled, fulfill our yearnings in a more complete and um, healthful way. So without further ado, we're going to begin today with Chapter 1. Yesterday, of course, you can uh, read or I rather listen to all the other uh, uh, days of this as we go along here. This is day two and yesterday I read the introduction and the beginning parts of of the book. The front matter I think is what they call it in the publishing world and so we're up to chapter one today. So here we go. <clears throat> chapter one, change is inevitable, struggle is optional. That's a quote from my auntie Mahialani, a teacher that I had while I lived on the big island of Hawaii. April 17, 2003. The loudspeaker jolted me awake announcing, the Hawaiian islands are the most isolated islands on earth. I thought to myself, oh my God, what have I done? Gentle white clouds floated on the horizon over the beautiful blue sea. I will be arriving in Kona, Hawaii any minute now to start a grand experiment testing the concept that what I believe is what I create. I had reached a point where I was faced with a decision. I could continue on with my nice life and remain mostly guided by my fears, or I could take the plunge, trust my connection to all that is, and in the process prove to myself and others that we are, that we are the all-powerful creators of our own realities. I had decided to stop doing, 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 and let go and see if just by making some intentions, or goals and following my most knowing part what i call spirit i could allow a life that was even better than what i already had i've studied with some of the best healers in the world as well as being a biology major in college or pre-med and a licensed psychotherapist i love studying with spiritual mentors because i've always had a knowingness inside that there is more to life than meets the eye And if you explore the human body, you are definitely left with the same impression that we are truly magnificent creations. All of my studying has resulted in believing more and more that we are directly connected to, or actually are something larger, more amazing. So we are both human and spirit. All my life, I've felt a connection to something larger, something more important, and always longed to know it better. As I approached my 42nd birthday and surveyed my life, I realized that I had mostly been led by my human, logical, and possibly limited side. I had gone to school, gotten a graduate degree, gotten license, bought a home, built my reputation as an effective psychotherapist, had a successful private practice, bought a boat, saved money, and prepared for my retirement. I also noticed that in spite of the fact that I was successful and healthy, I had this ongoing, nagging, knowing part of me that needed to know what would happen if I just let go and learn how to follow that connection to all that is, that which I call spirit. Oh yes, I preached a good game to my clients about letting go and trusting, but I wasn't really doing it. No, nor were most of the people writing the books about how to do it. In fact, I didn't know anyone who had really put these ideas to the test. I felt I could not ethically go on without actually proving to myself what most people, including myself to that point, had just given lip service to. That we are connected to spirit, or are part of spirit, or are spirit, and therefore we must have access to the unlimitedness of all that is. I was convinced deep down that if I learned to listen to spirit and develop the character to follow it, I could literally live my dreams. Over the years, my clients showed me that there seemed to be one common root cause of their unhappiness, underlying almost every complaint that they had. Fear. And not the kind of fear, not the kind that is hardwired into our brains to help us survive. The survival fear mechanism known as fight or flight helps us dive dive out of the way of an oncoming bus. No, I'm talking about something else. The learned type of fear and as my clients and i explored their fears their learned fears i discovered that i too was full of them for instance if you don't go to work you don't eat always save your money because there's not enough to go around always insure against the loss you can't afford to take because the world is out to get you money doesn't grow on trees if it's to be it's up to me it doesn't matter if you like what you do All that matters is that you make it. I decided to stop talking about it and follow the other voice, that internal knowingness, instead of my learned fears. After all, if I'm connected to God and God can do anything, why can't I? In my training, if you don't have the integrity to live the things you espouse, you're incapable of helping others. In other words, it's my ethical duty to live what I say. As the wheels touched down on the runway and my new life, I felt a powerful rush inside me of both excitement and trepidation. My palms were sweaty, but as the door opened and the fresh, humid, tropical air embraced me, I took a deep breath and was grateful for bringing myself on this adventure. I was finally going to put my money where my mouth was. There's a new heading. It says, Swimming in the Pathway to the Gods. Last fall, that was 2002, I was invited to the Big Island of Hawaii to help plan a series of workshops for men. In my profession to that point, I had become quite well known for my powerful healing work with men and boys and families. One of my associates, Juan, and I began brainstorming about expanding my efforts and expertise into workshops And he subsequently invited me over to the Big Island to meet with other men who are interested in the same endeavor. And just as an author's note here, um, all of these names are not the, the real names of the people. So I just had to come up with different names. While packing for the trip, Juan called and mentioned that while we were there, it was likely that we would go swimming with wild dolphins. I replied, sounds great, I love the water and it might be fun to go and swim with these hopefully friendly wild animals. On the first morning after I arrived, Juan Garfield, a new acquaintance, and I traveled by to a nearby bay. It was a beautiful still morning and the sun shone in a cloudless sky. We are here to swim with wild dolphins. I have to admit that when Juan and Garfield started across the slimy rocks and waded into the surf, In a mild panic, I yelled, how far out do we have to go? Garfield kept going. Juan replied, out to the middle. As they floated on their backs and put on their snorkel gear, I crept across the rocks and stepped into the warm, crystalline water where I immediately felt more grounded. I quickly donned my gear and headed out after them. As I swam, I felt the warm, beautiful, clear water flowing all around me. I tried to breathe deeply to relax myself. I found that if I stopped swimming and just kept breathing, I could literally float on my stomach face down without moving a muscle. I relaxed knowing that if I got a cramp or something else wrong with me, at least I would not sink to the bottom. I could see the sandy bottom below and a few fish swimming around down there. The farther out I got, the farther the bottom got and I began to worry about sharks. There I was, 200 yards offshore in 60 feet of water, and no one had mentioned anything about them. They had to be there, right? The mask I was wearing only provided a narrow view of what was going on around me, and it occurred to me that sharks could easily get me before I saw them coming. Or worse, maybe I would see one swimming on the surface, my terror mounting as it circled relentlessly before coming to tear me to shreds. In the midst of these terrifying thoughts, I thought I noticed something out of the corner of my eye, something big, something coming right towards me. I turned my head in that direction and prepared to be attacked. I fought not to inhale my snorkel before I realized it was a dolphin. In fact, there appeared to be an entire family of them. I immediately calmed down. I lay still in the water, trying to breathe silently, not wanting to scare them away. It reminded me of seeing a deer or a bird and being still so I could observe them as closely as possible. One of them gracefully swam within a foot of me, looked me right in the eyes, and then, with seemingly no effort, launched itself six feet in the air, made a huge splash, and swam away. I went dead in the water. I was transfixed. I had gone from being, having panic feelings of fight or flight to being in awe in a single moment. One of the ex, uh, out of the expanse of the whole bay, these animals had decided to come near me and actually interact with me. Out of all the space in that water, somehow they had decided to swim near me. It did not feel merely like a lucky encounter. I noticed that there were perhaps a hundred of them swimming all around us. Some had their babies next to them. Some were jumping and playing. They were definitely not afraid of us at all. In fact, there was no doubt that they were joining, even interested in me. Many of them purposely made eye contact with me. I felt as though they were able to read me, as if they were connecting to my life force, and in the process, I became more aware of it myself. As I floated there in bliss, Juan swam over to me with a huge smile on his face. What do you think, he asked. I could barely make a sentence. I, uh, well, unbelievable. I couldn't really articulate at that moment. He said, let's go in and have breakfast. As we swam in, I noticed the silence around me and in my mind. I could hear only an occasionally squeak, occasional squeaking of the dolphins in the background and the sound of my own breathing. My breaths were long, deep, peaceful, relaxed. I felt as though I were in a trance of some kind. When we got to shore and I tried to stand, I found my legs very wobbly. Garfield laughed and said, it's almost like we're back in the womb when we're out there. And he was right. In a deep way, it did feel like all was well out there, at least if you can keep your mind from the fatal attack, the fatal shark attack scenarios. During those swims, I began to reconnect with feelings of awe, peace, and oneness with all that is. In other words, I felt the same things I'd always felt when in nature, one with God and spirit and all living things. I quote, knew not a mind kind of knowing, but more of a feeling, that my spiritual path had brought me here and that there was something more going on than just swimming with wild animals in the pristine Hawaiian ocean. I began to feel a sense of deep alignment inside and outside. It felt to me that the dolphins were looking into my life's energy and somehow I was becoming more alive by watching them play and jump and fly head over heels. Over the next several days, as I pondered the first few swims with the dolphins, I began to get the sense that there was an opportunity to somehow expand my life, or at the very least, my consciousness or purpose. I felt inspired and more connected to my life force. But how would I take advantage of this heretofore unknown opportunity? How would I figure it out? It felt immensely important to me because for some time I've been struggling with some basic questions about who we are and what we are capable of and how to use myself more effectively in my healing work with others. In my spiritual, educational, and personal quest for growth, I've studied with Buddhist and Catholic monks, Native American medicine people from Sioux, Maidu, and Athabascan clans, a traditional Mexican folk healer called a curandero, shamans from other cultures, and some of the best experts in psychology and science. When you learn shamanism, among other things, you learn how to go into trance or have your client go into a trance, and then you seek to find the answers and solutions to the problems that are occurring. Anthropologist Melvin Connor wrote about the shamans of perhaps the oldest human population on earth, the Kalahari. Quote, their rituals, as all shamanic rituals, are designed to induce a psychological state that can best be described as that oceanic feeling of oneness with the world, and from this place one can receive guidance. So prior to the third morning swim with the dolphins, I decided to treat it as a shamanic journey, a spiritual quest with a specific purpose. i had been taught by the shamans to always set an intention prior to embarking upon a journey. Setting an intention is necessary so that one does not become lost in the process Sort of like a a way to remind yourself to keep your eye on the ball. My intention for this swim would be what I thought was my most pressing question. How can I serve the most people? After all, part of the reason I had been invited here to the island in the first place was to expand my work. And I had always wanted to reach more people and give back what I had learned in hope of helping them fulfill their own yearnings. When we arrived at the bay, it looked as placid as a still lake in the mountains. There was a gentle, warm breeze and literally not a ripple on the water. It appeared that the tide was out because after negotiating the rocks, I could stand on moist sand. The water gently rolling in and out felt good between my toes. I reminded myself of my sacred intention, how can I serve the most people, and reaffirmed it inside. Just then, I caught my breath and then sighed in the distance. A dolphin shot out of the water, high into the air, did a somersault and made a huge splash. A thrill shot through me. I felt like some kind of message or acknowledgement or a metaphor, but what did it mean? We waded into the crystal clear water, lay on our backs, put on our gear I was still nervous about how far out we would have to go, considering the dolphins I'd just seen had to have been at least 200 yards out. As I I swam in that direction, I began to pace my breathing in an attempt to remain calm. I put my hands to my sides and just let my fins push me along. As the water flowed around me and over me, the fear and stress and driven energy that I had brought with me from my, quote, normal life on the mainland slowly washed off me. Staring down at the sandy bottom, I began to feel more buoyant, lighter, and more in unison with my surroundings. To my left, a pod of perhaps 20 spinner dolphins lazily swam by me. They swam with effortless motions, breathing as they just crested the surface. They were no more no more than 15 feet from me. There were many others swimming at varying depths below me and all around. Some appeared to be resting, just drifting along together as if having not a care in the world. Some of them were chasing each other, swimming alarmingly fast, darting one way and another, and then launching themselves high into the air sometimes gracefully re-entering the water, sometimes doing belly flops, and sometimes making huge splashes as they landed on their backs. There was no doubt in my mind that some of them loved each other. I watched them nuzzling one another, swimming belly to belly. It was an amazing scene set in the turquoise, crystal-clear Hawaiian ocean. As I watched the joyful antics of the dolphins, I remembered my sacred intention about discovering how to serve the most people. The answer that came back to me was, have fun. What? That made no sense. What kind of answer was that? Have fun? I had no clue what that meant, although I can say that it connected to a deep yearning I'd always had, that life is supposed to be fun. I stopped swimming, raised my head above the water and floated feet down. I felt like I was definitely in some kind of meditative trance suspended in beautiful, warm, crystal water. I felt like I was one with my surroundings, my breathing slow and deep. With every breath in my body, with every breath in my body rose an inch or two and with every breath out, it sank an inch or two. I fought the urge to rationalize the answer that had come to me. I couldn't make sense out of it anyway. Serve the most people by having fun? Right then, five dolphins launched themselves about a foot off the water, right at eye level in front of me and Garfield. They flew 15 feet parallel to the surface in perfect unison inches apart and re-entered the water without so much as a ripple. There did not seem to be any other possible meaning of why they would do this except to make an impression on me. I looked over at Garfield and he had tears of amazement in his eyes. There really weren't words to describe the experience. We nodded in acknowledgement at, he nodded in acknowledgement at me as if to say, welcome home, brother. Later, while drinking my cone of coffee on Garfield's Lanai, overlooking the bay where we'd been swimming, I mulled over the day's events, my shamanic journey, and the answer that had come to me. What a concept. I could help the most people by having fun. Actually, it has a question mark and an exclamation mark. I don't know if I said that right. I could help the most people by having fun. I really couldn't fathom that, but deep inside me, I definitely had a longing for it. I decided to continue my explorations. So for the next swim, I asked, but how can I earn a living having fun? The answer that came was this, don't worry about it, have fun. But, but my mind seemed to stammer. How can I be a living, breathing example to people if I'm poor as a church mouse because I have no income? You can't have fun and an income. My mind bargained back and forth, wishing it could be true. Only lucky, only lucky people get to do that. The answer that came was this trust what you already know. What do I know? What can I trust? I was filled with conflicted feelings. Trust that spirit is the source of everything. As I got out of the water that morning and stood on the sand, looking out over the bay, I suddenly knew, there's that word again, that I would soon move to Hawaii to live and carry out this task. Woe! My mind screamed, but how will I live, eat, or pay for gas? The answer that came was, trust, and have fun. Could I really do this? Could I raise my belief level to match this sacred guidance? I faced a giant existential dilemma. I could accept this opportunity and learn to follow my most knowing part, the part the dolphins seemed to be joining with, the part that held a deep longing to know what happens if one just lets go and trusts or continue to live the safe, logical, semi-predictable life and preach something that I believed but didn't have the guts to act on, I decided to go for it. I would put my trust in spirit as my guide rather than listening to my learned human fears. When I announced this to Juan and Garfield, Garfield said, why don't you live here with me? My mouth dropped. I had no sooner decided to follow Spirit and within minutes, maybe seconds, I'd been offered the perfect place to live. His place overlooked the exact bay where we had swam all week. So the stage was set. I would trust and follow my most knowing part, what I call Spirit, and move to Hawaii and have fun. I would build my character so that, the, that rather than working out of fear of lack, read doing, 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 I would trust the unlimited nature of spirit to be the source and supply of my income. My goal, to be more abundant, peaceful, and healthy than I'd ever been, all without a job. And in the process, prove that the only thing that we need to do is let go and trust. So here's the last part of it. Taking the plunge. After spending an incredible week in Hawaii, I returned home to Northern California. Immediately, I began my experiment. I put my home, car, and boat up for sale. I began winding down my lucrative private practice. Everything seemed to be falling into place with ease as though once I aligned myself with what I had learned in Hawaii, unusually unusually supportive things started happening. My home sold immediately, and all manner of small instances and seemingly random happenings developed into a massive momentum towards the move. It was like a crescendo of supportive good good showering on me from all over the place. However, my friends and family, after hearing my plans, started saying things like, but you already have everything, why would you leave it all? My answer? I just wanted to see what happens if I let go of fear and trust this knowing part of myself. I've never agreed with the lack fear-based mentality. I've never felt like suffering was our normal and natural state. If it was, why would we have a place inside us that keeps nudging us towards more freedom, more peace, or a more ease-filled life? Then I packed a few belongings and moved to the Big Island of Hawaii. Of all the places on the planet, paradise seemed the most appropriate for my quest. Having grown up in Southern California, I had always loved the sun and water. What better place is there to lie on the beach, play golf, live in a pristine environment, and be more abundant, healthy, joyful, and peaceful than ever, and not even have a job? Faith versus Trust Notice, I don't use the word faith. The reason for this is that faith implies a belief in something for which there is no proof. I don't buy that. What I buy is something I can know, such as making a goal, sitting on the beach, and seeing the goal come to fruition. I need proof. When I work with people, I have them prove to themselves how magnificent they are. It has nothing to do with believing something we can't know. Remember learning how to swim? If you don't let go of the side of the pool, you can't really do it. In other words, it requires trust. Learning to swim doesn't come from belief in the unknown or faith. No, it comes from using your magnificent abilities to prove to yourself that you can do it, even if you have never done it before. You see? That being said, though, I have discovered that in the spirit realm, we must also learn to trust something in which confidence is placed. We must also learn to trust without knowing in our minds how all of what we want comes to us. This puts us in direct conflict with our minds and our survival rules, and our minds are a worthy and mostly untrusting foe. All of us have been taught that the way to get the things you want is by slaving away. This idea is a learned belief. My mind seems to trust only what it already knows, not what is possible or unlimited. It doesn't seem to understand the unlimitedness of the universe, but only its single-minded primary purpose, to keep me safe and alive using what it has already learned. And as I encounter situations that my mind doesn't know the answers to, such as where is the money coming from to pay the bills, my fears rear their ugly heads well I'm determined to teach it something else and see what happens can you imagine living by the belief that you already have everything you need and want and the only thing you have to quote do is increase your belief and trust in your connection to spirit so that was chapter one and uh, on my next podcast we'll get into chapter two if you want more information If you want to obtain the workbook, if you'd like to buy the book, uh, you can get it on Kindle or paperback edition. Contact me at www.stephenkeeler.com and send me your email and I'll get in touch with you. Keep yourself well. Until then, until next time, keep yourself well. I look forward to talking to you next time.